you are listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Heights Baptist Church in Alvin, Texas. For more information about our church, you can find us at heightschurch.org. Good morning, good morning. It is good to see you guys. Amen? Like, it's good to be back, isn't it? Like four of you. Okay, to my online audience, good morning. Right? Okay, so to you guys, it's good to be back. Amen? Yes? Okay, there we go. All right, good, good. Yes, yeah, it's awesome. You know, one thing I really, really missed uh, about gathering was, was hearing singing you know, and, and miss the public singing, and it's, it's always good to hear you guys sing out, uh, because you're such an encouragement when you sing, and so thank you for singing this morning, uh, so it is good to be back together, and to those that are still online, um, and having to stay back a little bit, uh, maybe you're in that medically vulnerable category, uh, we are celebrating being here this morning, but we still miss you guys, and we will celebrate when we are all uh, back together. You know, there's a word I want to give you, um, and it's this word that I, I told nine o'clock that we just need to kind of embrace and practice right now for a, for a while. It's the word patience, right? So we're just going to have to be patient through all of these things that we're having to do new as a church. Uh, many of you are not sitting where you normally sit, and that's kind of weird, isn't it? Like the chairs are set up differently and some of you are sitting over here when you used to sit over here or some of you are here when you used to be over there. And uh, so we're going to be patient with each other uh, as we are kind of having to just for a season do some things differently. And so thank you for that. You may be sitting somewhere this morning that next week you might not be uh, because we are at a reduced capacity. And so we want to make sure we're maximizing that reduced capacity as much as we can. So thank you for your patience with that. It's also good to see a lot of our kiddos in a nine o'clock service in this morning as well. And so parents, uh, let me just kind of calm you guys down as well. I know sometimes it's hard to have kiddos in a worship service, uh, but listen, we're not a country club. This isn't a hotel. We are a hospital for sinners and it is okay for sinners and little kiddos and us as adults to get a little squirmy sometimes and a little wiggly and make a little bit of noise. All right. Is that okay for everybody? We're good. Yeah. Because some of, you know, adults, they'll make just as much as noise as kids when they're trying to find that mint at the bottom of their purse for like 10 minutes. And we have to send in help to find it, right? And, you know, and so kiddos, I mean, parents, if you got to get up and, and walk your kiddo to the, to the back at any point or out in the lobby, that's okay. We understand. Who among us has not in our youth and young times been taken out of a church by our parents, right? Yeah. <laughs> Guilty as charged. Yeah. My, growing up, my mom used to sing in the choir, and so they sat as a choir in the choir loft, and I sat uh, by my dad with my older sister, and there were a few times I was taken to the back for uh, no surprise. I like to talk, um, or I got the death stare from my dad often, so, so parents, relax. It's okay. Uh, we love having the kiddos in with us because, hey, there are young minds, and we want to get the word of God in those minds as well, so let me pray. As we get started this morning, Father God, I I thank you uh, for the way you love us. And I I thank you for the way you you care for us. Um, Lord, I thank you that as we just sing that song that, Lord, um, we can we can see who you are and we can remember who you are. And and maybe there are there are times in our lives that, Lord, um, 
we didn't know if you were going to make a way, and, and you did, and you showed yourself true and faithful. And, and I pray this morning as we open uh, your word that, Father, you would, you would help us to remember um, you are a good God and speak to our hearts, change our minds, change our actions uh, to better honor and glorify your name. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. If you've got a Bible with you or maybe they're on your phone, uh, they're at home, let's go to Joshua chapter 1. And uh, Joshua is really easy to find in the Bible. It is the sixth book in your Bible. And so all you got to do is open up to Genesis and just hang a couple of books to the right and you'll find uh, the book of Joshua. So we're going to be in a series through the book of Joshua over the next several weeks. It's called Strong and Courageous. And, uh, you know, there is, there is a time that many of you are going to remember um, before caller ID, right? And when the phone rang, you had to get up from where you were you had to walk over to the wall or wherever you had that phone, and you had to stare at it because it was ringing, and you didn't know who was calling. And you had to make a decision. Am I going to answer this or am I not? You didn't know if it was a parent calling. You didn't know if it was a friend calling. You didn't know if it was a salesperson calling. You didn't know. And it was a dangerous game we used to have to play with no caller ID, wasn't it? Because you could pick it up, and you're like, oh, I didn't want to talk to this person. Then came the cell phones. Then came caller ID, right? And blessing for caller ID because now when someone calls, we can look at our phone and we can go, oh, I don't want to talk to that person. Or we can go, ah, I don't recognize that number. Or I'm busy and I don't want to take it. And so what happens usually on your your phone, on, on your iPhone, is you get two choices. You get a red button that says decline or you get a green button that says Except, when God comes calling in your life, are you going to hit the red button, decline, or are you going to hit the green button, accept? Joshua was a man that had a call that was put on his life. He was a man that now is in charge of leading Israel across the Jordan River into the promised land. God came calling, and Joshua had to say whether I accept this call or whether I'm going to deny this call. And it took courage to accept that call. And and here's what I want you to get about courage this morning. When God comes calling, it's this. Courage is just taking the next step of faith. That's courage. It's just taking the next step that God wants you to take. Now, I know like Joshua, when God comes calling in our lives, we would have plenty of questions. Well, God, what about this? And what about that? And how are you going to do this? And how are you going to do that? And how much is this? And, and I don't know if you're going to be able to do it. God's just saying, no, no, just take the next step. And so when you come into the book of Joshua, we see this call that God has put on his life. We pick up in verse 1. It says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people into the land that I'm giving them to the people of Israel. Now, let's work on Joshua's origin story a little bit. Joshua, we see by the text, is Moses' assistant. He's the VP for Moses. Well, we know no Moses has died, and now Joshua is going to take over. Well, we'll back up a little bit more in Joshua's story, though, to kind of help us understand who he is. When the people of Israel are are in captivity in Egypt. God delivers them out. And then when God delivers them out of captivity, God says, okay, now's time to take the land that I promised you, the land of Canaan. 
And that promise was rooted all the way back in Abraham in Genesis 12 and, and Genesis chapter 15. So about four, five hundred years has passed since that promise. And so God says, okay, I've taken you out of Egypt. Now it's time to go into the promised land. It's time to go. And so Moses sends out 12 spies. And they spy out the land of Canaan for 40 days. Well, they come back and they report to the people. Ten of them go, look, this is all that God has promised. I mean, it is awesome. This land is wonderful. This land is beautiful. It's everything you and I could ever imagine. But we got a problem. We can't take these people. The army's too great. They're too strong. They're too powerful. There's no way we would win. We can't go in. Well, then Joshua and Caleb, the only two of the 12 spies, go, whoa, 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 hang on. Even though we're the underdogs, guess who we have on our side? God, right? God's told us we can do this. Let's go. I I love Joshua in that story, man, because I love a good underdog story, right? He's like, yeah, we're smaller than them. Yeah, our army's not as good as them. Yeah, they're more powerful than us. But hey, remember what God just did? He just took us out of the hands of Pharaoh. We could do this. Let's go. Let's go. People of Israel said, no, 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 no. We're not doing it. We're not doing it. So they, they don't answer the call. Well, then God sends them for 40 years in a wilderness period where they're just wandering around, wandering around. Well, now at the book of Joshua, you're at the end of that 40-year period. Again, Moses has died, and now God comes and he says, it's time to go. It's time to go into the land of Canaan. It's time to take that land I've promised. So they've got a decision to make. Do we hit the red button decline, or do we hit the green button accept? In your life right now, God's calling you to something. Do you hit red button decline? Or green button accept. I love the way one person in a a commentary wrote about the first two verses. I think it's really neat. He says, we need to understand that the plans of God are not dependent on the success of man, however gifted one may be. God's plans do not evaporate in the face of funerals or rivers. When God calls, I want you to notice what else happens. God promises us something. So he's going to put a call, but then he's going to give you a promise. Let's pick up in verse 3 at this promise. He says, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I've given to you just as I promised Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. When you see in verses 3 through 5, two promises. First promise is this. It's a promise of land. He says, okay, I'm promising you this land. It's yours. I mean, the way it's written, it's just not God. It says, you know, I I hope to give it to you. God's saying, it's yours. But what do they have to do? They have to go. They have to take the land. They have to take the next step. As a believer in Christ, right now, heaven is yours. As one who follows Jesus Christ, heaven's yours. You're not working your way to heaven. God and his angels aren't looking down upon you going, Oh, wow, you prayed 20 times today, and here's a little more heaven points to help you along your way. 
right? God's not looking down on you and going, oh, you showed up to church the first time and you social distance, way to go, a little more heaven points, you're well on your way to achieving heaven. It doesn't work that way. You place your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, God goes, heaven's yours. You have it. But what do you have to do as a believer in Christ? Keep growing. Keep obeying. Keep going. Not because you're earning it. It's because you already have it. So he says, look, the land's yours, but you have to go. You have to take it is what he's saying. But notice this other promise. And look again in verse 5. I love this verse. He says, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And I love that promise. I love that promise in God's word where God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, I'm going to be with you. He came to Isaac and said, Isaac, I'm going to be with you. He came to Jacob. He says, Jacob, I'm going to be with you. He came to Moses and said, Moses, I'm going to be with you. He came to Joshua. He says, I'm going to be with you. In the New Testament, when Jesus sends out the disciples, he says, I'm going to be with you. In the book of Acts, he says, I'm going to be with you. How is God with you today? And when you come and place your faith in Christ, he deposits himself in you. He gives you the Holy Spirit. And so now the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Moses, and Joshua, and the disciples, and the apostles, this God of the Bible says, I'm with you. And so when God calls, he promises his presence. He promises that he is with you. And for you and I, that's good news. That's good news that we have a God that is always with us. But isn't it hard to trust a promise? Isn't it it hard? Why is it hard to trust a promise? Is it because maybe we've had promises broken to us? I mean, that, that's what's hard about promises sometimes. We've all experienced the pain of a broken promise. You may have had a spouse that broke a vow to you. You may have had a boss who, who broke a promise. You may have had a friend that broke a promise. I mean, what happens is when someone breaks a promise, it's hard for us to trust promises because it, it brings up the pain of the broken promise. I mean, have you broken a promise before? I'm sure. Have I broken promises before? Yeah. So what's different about the promise of man and the promise of God? What's different about those promises? See, the Bible tells us that God is holy. And it means that since he's holy, he's without sin. He's perfect in all ways and he doesn't sin. So if this holy God as his chief attribute meaning out of his holiness, everything flows from God. Okay, Because he's perfectly holy, he shows perfect love. Because he's perfectly holy, perfect grace, perfect mercy, perfect justice, perfect promises. Because he's holy, everything he says we can trust. That's God. For you and I, what's our problem? We have sin. We have sin in our lives. We're not perfect. And since we're not perfect, and I'm not perfect, and you're not perfect, sometimes our promises aren't perfect. 
But what you can do this morning is say, as a believer in Jesus Christ, I can trust God's promises because he is perfect in all ways. And so not only does he promise his uh, presence, he gives us a command to obey. And then he also gives us what we need when we obey it. Look in verse 6. He says, be strong and courageous. For they shall call this, cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to the fathers to give them. Only be very strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded. Do not turn from the right or the left hand, that you may have good success wherever you go. Verse 8, this book, the book of the law, shall not depart from your mouth, but shall meditate on it day and night. You should be careful to do all according to its written. For then you'll make your way prosperous. You'll have good success. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Look at that command, verse 6. Be strong and courageous. That appears in verse 6, verse 7, verse 9. It's an imperative. It's a command. He's saying be strong, be courageous. Where's that source of courage going to come from? I mean, let, let, let's talk about courage a little bit and kind of audience participation time here, okay? I'm going to ask you to do a few things for me online. You can do this as well. You can click a thumbs up. How many of you, if we said, hey, let's, let's get a baseline definition of courage, we would say it was courageous maybe for a, a fireman to run into a burning building and to save somebody. You agree with that? That's courage. Let's slip your hand up, okay? Online, you can kind of click the thumbs up. All right, good. Yeah, pretty much all of us are saying, yeah, that's, that's an act of courage, no firemen go in. Uh, act of courage, let's say you're, you're, you know, a, a ship out at sea is sinking. Uh, there's a raging storm, 20-foot, 30-foot waves. You know, Coast Guard sends out a rescue uh, helicopter. Rescue diver jumps into the ocean to, to save people on that boat. Act of courage, yes? Okay, yep, online you guys are clicking. All right, yeah, act of courage, got it. We would all say those are courageous acts. What's biblical courage? What's the courage God's talking about here? It's this. Just take the next step of faith. Just take the step God's calling you to take. That's courage. That's what he's telling Joshua. That's what he's telling the people. When he comes calling in your life, that's what he's telling you. Just do the next thing I'm telling you to do. Just take that next step. And notice he supplies us something along the way. You see what he said in verses 7 and 8? He says, don't let the book of the law depart from you. Meditate it on day and night. Be careful to observe everything that I've commanded you. Right? So he's saying, don't let the word of God, don't turn from the book. Don't turn from this. And if you think about where Joshua was and where we are today, we have more of the story than Joshua did. We have the whole story, Genesis through Revelation. Right? He says, don't leave the book. Follow the book. Let the book change your life. Yeah, I, I think there's a, a mistake we often make in Christianity is we want to study the Bible, but we don't let the Bible change us. And see, you can, you can come to church regularly. You can hear sermons after sermons after sermons. You can study the Bible and study the Bible and read the Bible and read the Bible and never be changed. Never be changed. You studied. But you didn't get changed. How does change happen when you come to the book? Well, it's real simple. If you think about your life right here, here's my life. Well, then I've got to say the Bible is the authority of my life. 
the Bible's over my life. And I'm not putting the Bible on the same plane as my life in sense of authority. I'm not saying I have just as much authority as the Bible. Or I'm not saying I, my authority and my uh, thoughts are over the Bible. I'm putting the Bible as the authority of my life. And when I do that, and I begin not to turn from the book, and I allow the authority of the Bible now to rest on my mind, and in my mind, and in my heart, and I obey the Bible, and I do what God's calling me to do, and I hit the green accept button instead of the red decline button, then change begins to happen. Then my mind begins to change, my thoughts begin to change, my actions begin to change. Why? Because I did more than just study. I allowed it to change my mind. I allowed it to change my heart. I allowed it to change my actions because it became my authority. And what does God say? He told Joshua this promise, which I think is the same promise to you and me. He says, when you do that, you see it in verses 7 and 8 and verse 9, you'll have success. You will prosper along your way. Now, what's success? I think if you and I were saying, well, our definition of success from an American standpoint would be money. Uh, it'd be a good job. You know, it would be a nice house. And if we apply church success, we would say, well, success is growth. Um, it's new ministries or it's new buildings, right? And so what we tend to do when we come to the talk of success in this passage is we press our American idea into the text. But in the Old Testament, the New Testament, anytime you see the word success, very rarely does it ever mention finances. And this word is success that comes up in Joshua chapter 1 has nothing to do with material gain, has nothing to do with money. So what's success? Success is Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Success is 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1, where Paul says it is for a steward of God to just be found faithful. That's success. Success for me, success for you is taking the step God wants you to take when he calls and knowing God and being content in God and having that relationship with God. That's success. You know, it was at the age of 14, God called me in my life. He placed a call of salvation. It was the age of 14 where God just really impressed upon me that I did not know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of my life. I grew up in church. I heard sermons after sermons after sermons. But age of 14, I didn't know him. And he says, it's time for you to be saved. He placed a call. I answered that call. About the age of 24, God called me to be a pastor. And I'll admit to you, when he called, I hit that red button a lot. Decline, 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 decline. I ghosted God for a while. I was like, I, I, don't, I don't want to be a pastor. There's no way I'm doing this. Decline, decline. The spiritual phone call just kept ringing. Just kept ringing. Until I hit the green button. It said accept. Here's what I've learned about following God all these years. Is he's a way better God in my life than I am. That's what I've learned. That I need a better God than me. Because I'm not a good God in my life. And I need someone better than me. And that's who he is. And when you look in Joshua's life as a leader, and we'll study through Joshua, Joshua's going to constantly point us to, is we need a better person than Joshua. 
We need a better leader. That one is Jesus. And when you give your life over to Jesus Christ, you're going to find a God who gives you purpose and fulfillment and forgiveness and love. I mean, I love what John chapter 1, verse 12 says, that he gave the right to become the children of God who believed in his name, who received him. And so maybe this morning, for some of you, God's calling for salvation. It's time for you to come to know Jesus Christ truly as your Lord and Savior, and you need to hit the green button. You need to hit accept. Maybe for some of you, it's a, it's a call for something specific. Maybe it is a call into ministry. It's a call into missions. It's a call to teach a life group. It's a call to work with kids for v, VBS. It's a, it's a call to even simply go share the gospel at work. It's a call God's putting on your life to pray for somebody. It's a call to go take a meal to a friend. Whatever it is, when God calls, hit the green button. Don't hit the red decline. Say yes to God. Just take the next step he's calling you to take this morning. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for your love. And I I pray this morning that we will be a people that just take that next step. That Father, we will will answer the call that you put on our lives. And Lord, I, I pray for all those that are watching online this morning, all those that are here in attendance, that, that Lord, when you come calling, that, Father God, we'll hit that green button. We'll hit accept. And so, Lord, as we sing this morning, as we continue to pray, Lord, I pray you hear the prayers that are going to be prayed. Father, you answer them. For your, your glory and your name's sake, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.